So we've been in this uh, uh, this uh, discussion called Discovery, and last week we talked about remembrance and how important it is to remember what God has done for you. When you remember what God has done for you, it creates a door into your future. You can check out the podcast. Uh, it's, it's, you, we need to remember what God has done for us. And today uh, we're going to talk about holy curiosity, holy curiosity. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in Proverbs 25, verse two says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. So Father, we pray today that you would minister to us, minister to our hearts, Lord. Let us leave here, Lord, in in awe and in wonder of who you are, that we may uh, discover you in a new way. We give you praise for this in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Give your your neighbor a hand clap or a high five and say, are you curious? Are you curious? Good. Thank you, Justin. Live our worship team a big hand clap. (laughs) You're part of the worship team even though you didn't do worship today. So, um, you know, it's, um, I, I was, I'm trying to give a, you know, usually when you speak, you kind of like try to give the preface, and I'm just trying to find the, how I want to enter into this, because actually I think the way I, I, re- I came into this message was interesting, because we we're actually in New Jersey, and the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to uh, say to me, I, I want people to have a prophetic vision for their life. And so actually when I was going to do this, um, um, this series, I was going to call it prophetic vision. And then I realized a lot of people uh, don't really know what prophetic vision is or what that means. And it seems very mystical, especially even if you're coming into the things of God. And so I, I was asking the Lord to give me kind of a word. And I was talking with Matthew Kim, who's not here this morning, he's in Georgia, but he prayed for me, he called me up this morning with a word. But, uh, uh, and, and, and so I came up with the word discover and I bounced it off of him. And he was like, yeah, that's, that sounds even, that's even better. And so I really feel like God wants us to begin to discover and God doesn't te- just necessarily tell us what to do, but he leads us, he guides us and he wants us to follow him. Somebody say, follow. he wants us to follow him. And so as we were, as I've been thinking about this, this whole topic, and, and I was thinking about prophetic vision, I, I realized, and, and God um, began to speak to me and say, he said, I want you to talk about holy curiosity. And I said, I don't even know, is curiosity even good? Like, you know, the curious cat, I mean, is it curious George, you know, the stories where, you know, he, you know, the man with the yellow hat, oh, come on, come on, somebody, you've been reading, and, and he huh, lives in the zoo. Oh, he works at the zoo. Okay. And so you know the story. And then he brings this uh, monkey home. And his monkey does all this crazy stuff and gets in tons of trouble. And then at the end, everything works out. You guys know what I mean. And so that's my picture of curiosity. But uh, I want to start off by saying you were divinely designed. Somebody say divinely designed. If you have your notes, we got the notes there so you can put it in there. But you were divinely designed. And, and when it says, I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah, what we just read, it actually also can be translated uh, the curious work. I know the curious work that I have for you, that I've devised for you. And in Psalms 139, verse 13 through 16, uh, and, and we are streaming if you want to share it. Thank you, guys. Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, you have formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside. How many know your insides is delicate? Two people, good. And my intricate outside. How many know your outside is intricate? I'm beautiful, baby. And wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously 
complex. Look at somebody say, you are mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord, for you even form me every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully and skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. And that's so good. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the numbers of my days you planned for me were, were already recorded in your book. And so you were divinely designed, but also you were created with a sense of curiosity. You were created with a sense of mystery. Look at somebody again and say, you are mysterious. You, you're created with a level of mystery. And so God, uh, through a process, wants us to begin to discover. You know, I, was, I, I see some people that I know that are here, and I want to shout you out. But, you know, God has bringing in, brought them here to, to America and, and brought them on this discovery journey. How many feel like you're on a discovery journey? How many feel like you haven't figured it all out yet? If you have figured it out yet, please come talk to me after the service. I got some questions. So we were born with a sense of curiosity, and that's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, ask, and the gift is yours. Seek, and you'll what? Discover. Another translation says fine, but I love this translation. It says you'll discover if you just seek, knock, and that I don't know what God wants from me. Well, have you sought him? Have you asked him questions? Have you worked it out with him? Knock. That talks about persistence and the door will be open for you. Come on, there's some doors we're believing to open for us as a church and as, uh, and as a family. And I know there's doors that you're believing to open and God is saying if you would ask, if you would, uh, seek and if you would knock, the door will be open for every persistent one. We give up too quick. Every persistent one, we, we throw out the towel too quick. Every what? persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Don't let no's turn you away. Every no is leading you to a greater yes. Hello? I'm telling you, I've seen it in my life. Every time there's been a no, that God was just setting me up for a greater yes. And he wants to say, how persistent are you? How persistent are you going to be in your walk with him to ask, to seek, and discover? I love this. I don't have the quote, or maybe he did put the quote up there. But Albert Einstein says this. And this is kind of how, uh, when I said, does anybody else thought of this word, holy curiosity? Like, am I the only one? Obviously, you can Google it and find different things. But Albert Einstein said, one cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the, uh, the mysteries of eternity, of life, and of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. So he's saying every day we need to try to comprehend this mystery. And then he ends with this, never lose a holy curiosity. This is Albert Einstein. So we all were born with a sense of curiosity. We're all asking questions like, what's the meaning of life? And, and I know my kids have been asking me, like, where do babies come from now? So it's like, whoo, Lord, help us to get the, get the right answer. So where do, where do babies come from? And, and, uh, and, and, and my Caleb asked this Sunday, he said, uh, uh, no, a couple of days ago, he was on the couch. What did he say, Ashley? He said, how did God make me? I mean, he's three years old. He said, how did, a God, how did God make me? And I said, well, God made you wonderful, Caleb. He said, yeah, but how did God make me? So he knew that that wasn't enough. And I said, well, he made you in, in mommy's belly. He said, in mommy's belly? And I said, yeah. And he knew you when you were in heaven. I was in heaven? 
And, and I say, you're in mommy's belly. He said, was daddy in mommy's belly? And I said, no, daddy wasn't in mommy's belly. <laughs> I was in my own belly. Praise the Lord. I had my own mama. But you get it? But like, we're curious. We want to, how many of you know, want to know how things work? Only two. You guys are scared to lift up your hands. Oh, I'm so sorry somebody put you down in life. How many are curious? I'm curious. How do things work? Like when we started this church, I was curious. Like how do other people do it? Like how does a church actually work? How does that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so there's a doctor uh, uh, named Bruce D. Perry, and it's, he's, uh, I think it's a guy, and he's an author on brain development. And he says this, children who stay curious continue to explore and discover, leading to a level of confidence that emboldens them to further explore and learn. So, the, you know, we've told you about our Chayel. I don't know if she's in here, but she asks at least 10 questions coming out the gate. I mean, she gets up in the morning. She doesn't need coffee. She doesn't need cereal. She doesn't need hot whatever they have. Uh, what is it called? Pockets or Pop-Tarts. She doesn't need any of that. She is coming. She don't even need water sometimes. She just comes up asking questions. What are we going to do today? And, and what should I wear? And, Daddy, what about this? And why does this happen like this? And, I mean, there's like 10 questions. And I have to be, I, as a parent, have to be watchful that I don't shut her down. Uh, I remember we were at a certain family member's house, and my daughter loves to sing. And she's, sometimes, how many know you are, have you ever heard a thing called finding your voice? Have you ever tried to find your voice singing? Some of y'all are not singing because you haven't found your voice because every time you started to lift up your voice when you were a little child, someone told you to be quiet. I remember when I, I used to try to sing and they were like, be, please be quiet. And so I was never able to find my voice until someone said, you know what, I think there's a gift inside of you. And we're going to talk about that later. See, curiosity can fade. And how many know, like, if you, if, you, if you get a couple kindergartens together and say, how many of you are, believe that you're going to be an artist when you grow up? All of them will lift up their hands like, woo, yeah. And then you get to first grade and you ask the same question, how many of you are going to be an artist? By that time, I guarantee you, half the class will not be lifting up their hands. And then by the time you get to third and fourth grade alone, maybe one or two will lift up their hands. Curiosity can fade. And my question is, has your curiosity faded? Dr. Perry warns that adults can unwittingly douse curiosity with disapproval. Don't bring that dirty rock in this house. Stop asking me so many questions. Or we don't have time to drive to the creek. We don't have time to do this. Daddy has to, I'm, so I'm busy right now. And so the child may give up on the discovery process in order to stop the negativity. Because negativity, which is on your notes, can stop us from the discovery process. Have you ever believed for something and been believing and saying, man, I believe God's going to do something amazing. And then somebody say, well, you know, like maybe you should be practical. What are they doing? They're, they're, they're causing you to stop on the discovery process. There are some things that I believe for that actually didn't happen. But guess what? I, as I kept believing, I realized I was actually on a process with God that brought, brought me to a greater relationship with him and made me bold in my faith. It's not always where you're going. It's who you're walking with while you're getting there. Hello? So the discovery process can be stopped with negativity. We can discourage or stifle curiosity by being unavailable. Somebody say, I'm not going to be unavailable. This might be like a little children's lesson here, but you guys get it. This is for us. We're all children of God. 
We can discourage or stifle curiosity by being unavailable and therefore unable to share in the joy of a curious child discoveries. Has your child ever come to you and say, oh my gosh, this rocket looks just like a heart. And you're like, oh, whatever, that's nice. No, no, at the same level of their excitement and joy, you need to have the same level of excitement and joy and say, wow, that is amazing. Wow, let me see that. Oh, look, at I think I see some veins in that heart. You need to go ahead and open up your imagination a little bit. When's the last time you looked at the clouds and said, wow, that cloud looks like a dinosaur. Wow, that cloud looks like a... When's the last time you looked at your life and began to imagine and believe and be like a little child? You know, my friend Matthew called me up earlier today. And he didn't even know what I was preaching today, but he said, Malik, I want to give you the scripture. And the scripture is Matthew 18. It says, you know, uh, uh, you know, about the little child and how God is looking for us to come to him like a little child. And that's a lot what this message is because many of us have lost our curiosity from our childhood. And we have grown up structured and disciplined, but with no discovery, with no sense of curiosity. It's there, but we haven't worked it, just like our remembrance that we talked about last week. We have stifled and unable to jo- share in the joys of a, a curious child's discoveries, discoveries by insisting the child fit a certain model or expectation that's set by what? Family, school, or church. God is not looking for you to fit in a box. How many know you weren't meant to fit in, you meant to stand out? How many heard that before? Look, are you guys okay? Is this okay? I'm not really mad at anybody, I promise you. But we're not meant to to um, just be like everyone else. We're, even zebra have different stripes. Your fingerprints are different. God has called you to be different, and your difference is, what, is what's unique about us being humans, that we can bring our differences together and make one and make unity. It's a beautiful thing. If I was just like my wife, my life would be boring. Not that she's boring, but just us. It would be, it would be no tension. How many think tension in marriage is good? Okay, look at, see, I'm telling you, we think so negative sometimes, but tension is, marriage is good. Sometimes she wants to see one thing, and I want to see another thing, and the tension, but I give in (laughs) with humility and love, and then I realize, oh, snap, that movie was amazing. They were all crying, and and people loving on each other and stuff. There was no killing. There was no whatever, but man, all that other good stuff. Man, it did something to my heart, then I realized something. Oh, I discovered something in the midst of the tension. I discovered that I like love. You can discover things in the midst of your tension if you're willing to submit to the process. If you fight in the midst of your tension, that's where arguments, that's where all the strife, that's where all. But if you just submit to that place of tension and say, guess what? I'm actually learning something in the midst of this, and I actually like that movie. I haven't watched Korean flicks yet, but we're going to get that, baby, maybe one day. We're going to Korean, and then maybe we can watch one before I go to Korea. <laughs> She's smiling. No, I'm fight it. Anyway, so Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Listen, God has put something inside of your children. God has put something inside of each of you, your spouse. God has put something inside of your... God has put something inside of each of us. 
and a wise man. You know, we were talking yesterday because a certain person, uh, my wife was asking a certain person uh, who's not connected to this church, by the way, uh, a certain question. And they said, and my wife said to them, goodness, you're turning into, you know, this person. You're turning into one of like my older grandmas and my aunties, you know, that just kind of just tell you how the way you should do it. And you leave no room to breathe. You leave no room. Have you ever talked to someone like that? They come to you telling you what, and well, you need to do this. You need to do this. If you do it like this, and if you turn it this way, and if you make this decision, then you're going to be fine just like me. God has never called people to be just like you. And we have to continue to, especially as a pastor, what I have to realize, too, with, 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 with the people that God is bringing to us, I cannot tell you every time what you're supposed to do. I can't tell you what ministry you're called to. I can't always do that. Why? Because I don't want to become a Holy Spirit for you. You have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us in the way to go. And a man of wisdom will listen to what you're saying. He say, you know, when you say that, let me ask you this question. What do you feel about when I say it like this? Oh, oh, you know, I never thought about it that way. Oh, what about this? And what about that? Oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Because guess what? You know you more than I know you. Okay, let me keep going. That's my little life coaching 101. The first thing I learned in life coaching, the person that you're coaching knows more about themselves than you do. So sometimes you have to be quiet and let them talk more. Because what I realize is that when people talk, they actually talk themselves in to their journey. They talk themselves into the road that they're supposed to be taking. Hello? Okay. Romans 5, verse 1 through 2. By entering through faith, believing into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, making us fit for him. We have it all together. This is uh, the message translation. So you guys can just say amen to that. I got it all together, even when it doesn't look like it. I have it all together with God because of what he did and because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God, and then we discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. It's so amazing that I found out in the midst of the process when I'm like, God, I'm crying out to you, and I'm, trying, I'm, I'm seeking his face, and I'm saying, Lord, I, I need direction. I need guidance. And then all of a sudden I realize, man, God has already laid the path, the path out. He, he starts showing me already the things that he's put in my hand, like he said to Moses, what have I, uh, Moses, look at your hand. What is in your hand? Many times the things that we need uh, or the things that we feel like we need, we already have. Okay, I'm going to keep going. That's not really my message. So we find ourselves standing where we always hoped that we might stand, out in the open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Are you guys still with me? Just give me a couple more minutes. Amen. I know we got barbecues and amazing things this week. Curiosity can inspire each of us daily. Like Albert Einstein says, we need to, every day, we should be pressing into the mysteries, uh, mysteries of God. Don't let one day go by where you're not asking God questions. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, every scripture, and one translation which I wanted to put up but I didn't have it was, uh, every scripture is given by inspiration, right, of God. But this one says, every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit. It has been inspired by the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength. Amen. It's not making you do what God, God's not making you do what he wants you to do. It's giving you the strength that you can take uh, 
the, the right direction. See, I'm telling you, we can't beat our kids into submission. We can't, you know, we can't punish our children into a place where they finally do and they finally, you know, uh, 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 um, you know, whatever, submit. Or we can't, we can't argue with our wives enough for them to finally come to the place where they realize that we're the king of the castle. Where there has to be a place of discovery. There has to be a place where we lean into the word of God, which gives us instruction and correction, giving us the strength to take the right direction and lead us deeper into the path of godliness. How many want to go deeper? Well, just say this. Say, Lord, lead me. When's the last time you asked God to lead you? It's a good time again. Say, Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. How's he going to do it? Is he just going to come out and, that's what you need to do? Yeah, I mean, God has spoken to me very clearly, audibly, but many times, he puts a picture. I get, I get curious of what he wants from me. And through that curiosity, God begins to speak. God begins to lead. God begins to breathe. Somebody say breathe. So Exodus, I love this. Exodus 2, 3. We preached this uh, about a month ago, but there's another revelation I want to show you from this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. And, and though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And this, and Moses said, this is amazing. Why isn't it, isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. This is amazing. And curiosity, in your notes it says, curiosity is a pathway into the supernatural. He was curious. God began to move, and there was some, there was some movement of God in his life. And, 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 and easily he could have just, you know, brushed it off. But he w- it didn't say that God said, come here right now. Okay, psst, psst, you, over here, come, come right now. God didn't do any of that. God, a sign and a wonder, a sign. You know what a sign and a wonder for me is? Every time I see my children in the morning. They are literally like a blazing, burning bush. And I was just thinking about, like, oh, my gosh, I'm a father. Has anybody ever come to that conclusion in your life, like, when you've been there, like, the whole time? Thank you, Brandon. You're like, oh, snap. I'm a dad. God, you're amazing. I didn't have a dad. My dad left. And then there was some other turmoil with my adoptive father. And now I'm a father? This is a, and he says, I'm a grandpa. Oh, snap. Wait till that happens. I'm not ready. He ain't ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Are you willing to walk down the discovery lane with Jesus? Some of the things he wants to show you is right in front of your face. Groping and grasping. Ecclesiastes talks about is that sometimes we do it in vain. There are things that God has already put in our lap. And I don't want to talk about gratefulness, but sometimes we need to be grateful, and gratefulness will lead you to the place that God has for you. Okay, God used this unusual sight to ignite Moses' natural curiosity and draw Moses to him. What is God using to draw you close to him? Uh, we, we got a house right now that's using, God is using to draw us close to him. <laughs> you know, there, there are things that we, we desire as a family that we realize, oh, snap, like, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going after a house and believing God for a house, but at the same time, it's like, I can't get the house without him. And then you lose focus in the house, and you say, oh, my gosh, God, you're amazing. And he starts to speak to you and breathe life into you, and he shows you where you're supposed to be, and then he shows you where you're not supposed to be, Amen. So curiosity, listen to this, needs holiness. That's why we call it holy curiosity. 
When we root ourselves in truth, a holy curiosity can lead to a deepening awe that increases our faith in God. Curious Christians can find themselves living with what? Energy and with hope, eager to learn and obey God and see him in their work and and see him work in their lives um, to bring change. But with one too many questions and one turn of the page or scroll down and click, we can find ourselves on a road that we didn't intend to be. And that's why curiosity, it needs holiness, it needs wisdom, and it needs discernment. And as we take to heart what Paul says, Colossians 3.16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Scriptural truth can form a filter through which we run our questions and raise a red flag to caution us to stop, to run from sin. And that's why I said you could be going after something, but after a while, you don't want that thing to consume you. You don't want that thing to be after on, you know, and somebody said whatever you don't drive out will drive you, right? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother wrong topic. Okay, back, I'm back. You cannot go after something so much that you lose focus of the one. Somebody say the one. The one, the only. Jesus, Lord, Savior. The one who thinks he's God and can do anything. You can't lose focus of him. And so what I've learned is without it, without this holiness, without this discernment, we're at risk of listening to any voice, entertaining any answer, and drinking any Kool-Aid. Who put that in? Who put all that sugar in the Kool-Aid? Is this, uh, so let me say this. Let me ask you a question. Is this what happened to Eve in the garden? Did curiosity lead to an unfiltered openness that involved to willful disobedience? So our holy loving God created boundaries for Eve for protection. He intended her to respect and obey, but her naive curiosity caused her to lean in and listen and then do what? Act on the temptation. Sometimes we don't need to be you know, like, you know, have you ever, I know the big thing now is what, trolling, right? Like, you troll, you find somebody. But sometimes you'll find out more stuff about a person than you need to know. And, you, and, and, and what Facebook has kind of, in a sense, stopped us from the discovery process of actually sitting down with someone and having a real conversation and asking questions versus going to their social media feed and finding out everything we need to know about them. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys do that? Okay, I'm sorry. It's kind of quiet in this Presbyterian church. That's why holy curiosity submitted to Christ, led by the Holy Spirit and rooted in truth, is the key. Holy curiosity will point us to who? To Jesus. Draw us closer to him and help us see him and his work in this world more clearly. I want to read something to you that I thought was interesting. It was a a graduate from Wheaton University, and he said this. He said, curiosity is simply a response to God's creative movements. Let me say that again. Curiosity is simply a response to God's creative movements. That means curiosity doesn't just spring from the heart of man, but from the active spirit of God. And you can find that in Proverbs 1-7. Again, I'm using a different translation just because I love the way it says it. It says, start with God. Somebody say, start with God. Come on, say it like you believe it. Say, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Humility. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. Another scripture we know well, it says, the beginning of, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen? 
And so it starts with God. Curiosity starts with God. From God, all things proceed, including our curiosity. However, as the proverb implies, if it is not carried out for us and by the spirit of the one who created curiosity, it represents what? A distortion of the intelligence that God has given. Curiosity breeds a myriad of questions, but wisdom leads us to the prudent ones. Curiosity seeks and explores answers, but wisdom is contented by them. Curiosity runs down the path of inquiry with imagination and joy, but wisdom directs it into its proper orientation. We need wisdom with curiosity. You guys following me? Okay. I'm going to bring it to I'm going to bring it together so you guys can get happy again. Curiosity cuz I told you curiosity is good, but then I told you, whoop, hold on. We need wisdom. Let me say this, curiosity is engaged and driven by questions. When's the last time someone asked you questions? When's the last time? You know, I remember early in my marriage and I probably still do sometimes. My wife was just asking me questions, and automatically the fences would go up. I would get upset. I was like, why? Because I was thinking that she was trying to threaten me, but she was just really trying to help me discover my deeper thought. How many know that there's deeper places in you that you need to discover? And through questions and through uh, uh, conversation, those things can come out of your life. And Socrates, which is interesting, drew fascinated crowds by countering responses to his questions with ones even more intriguing. And people were amazed at his, uh, the way he forced them to think. And he refused to simply hand out wise insight. Rather, he preferred to spur others on to pursue and find out their answers for themselves. And we call this the Socratic method. Um, uh, but I, I must say this. Uh, oh, oh, no, what happened? Do, 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 do. I put the wrong thing in here. But, all right, sorry, guys. This is so good. So I want to say this. Socrates did that, but Jesus did it better. And Jesus, through questions, will cause people to come to revelations. What did he say to uh, Peter? Who do men say that I am? Jesus knew who he was. But what he was called, he was saying this. What do you think? When's the last time you knew maybe the answer, but you were willing to ask somebody, hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you feel about this? What are you getting from God from this? Jesus was, it was amazing how many times when he said, well, you know, well, who is your neighbor? He'd tell his parable and then he'd make him thinking and say, now, who's your neighbor? Um. There's another guy, Randy Newman, and he calls this pattern of answering a question with another question called, uh, I'm going to mess this word up, it's uh, rabbinic evangelism. And so he explains that rabbis use this approach to train the disciples to think about God and life. And we can use it to engage people in matters of truth. Many times you're not, you're not really getting the depths of the people that surround you because you're not asking enough questions. I love Jason and Michelle because from, they would ask me so many questions. Like, we're in this whole process of, of they're coming to the church and, you know, becoming elders and, and, and pastors and just trying to figure all this out. I would get voxers. I would get uh, emails. I would get, can we just talk? I just need five, ten minutes. I mean, it would just be question. It wasn't bad question. They were just trying to discover what they're trying to, they were trying to pull on my heart. What is your heart? And how many know you're not just going to get my heart through a sermon? You'll get a piece of it. I was sitting down with the Thomases, and they were like, 
So where did you come from again? Like, uh, thank you for all the great revelation you've been given, but where do you come from? Like, who are you? Like, where were you born? Like, what were they doing? They were pulling out. They were trying to find the deeper place in me. I want to encourage you guys, try to find the deeper place in someone by asking them questions. What's the last thing I have up there? Do I have something else up there? Is there anything? Psalms 33, 8. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all who live in the world stand in awe of him. So I want to bring it back to the beginning. God wants to bring us back to the place of discovery, back to the place of asking questions, back to the place of learning his heart. And so on the bottom of your paper, there's a question there and says, uh, what does the question say? Can somebody tell me? What does the question say? So what can I do to develop my sense of awe with God? I want you to answer that question today or tomorrow. What can I do to develop uh, my curiosity? What can I do to develop uh, a deeper place with God? What can I do to go deeper in God? What can I do to draw closer to him? And, and start to ask God questions this week. Like, God, uh, where, where, why am I here? What's my purpose for living in this area? What, Lord, why did you make my child like this? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, sometimes we say, why is my child like this? We need to say, God, how, why did you make them like this? Uh, what can I do, Lord, to steward the finances that you've given me? And obviously there are things in his words that's going to keep you in a good place. But he wants to give you instruction. I re- yesterday we were going to Anacostia. I'm, I'm telling on myself because I talked to Connie. But anyway, she'll get it. Uh, I went to Anacostia. There was an outreach in Anacostia. Costia, and when I was going there, um, uh, the Lord, I said, Lord, why am I going here? Why am I a part of this outreach? And is it the, because many times you hear of outreach, you think, well, I'm going to go there and I'm going to save soul. I'm going to tell people about Jesus and it's going to be amazing. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go there to sow into what God is doing there. I want you to go to be a conduit of my treasures to this, to them, to tell them that you believe in them, to tell them that there's a church that's praying for you. See, when you ask questions, you can get to the deeper meaning. And what God is not look interested in, how many know that many of us have come up in the industrial age? We have lived in a time where everything is cookie cutter, it's a heat, and you cut the pipes with the same heat, and every pipe is the same length. But I'm telling you, God is looking for a garden. God is looking for a garden. How many know there's different flowers in the garden? The flowers that grow in different ways. And so I don't know if we have anybody that can play the keyboard, but uh, I'm done. <laughs> and I am part of the worship band as well. So if anybody wants to come up. Anybody, thank you. Why don't we just stand up on our feet? And I just, I just want you to think. I know, I, I, you know we say pray, but I just want you to think. I want you to begin to, in the next two minutes, just ask God a couple questions and write those questions down. And I want to tell you, you're going to be amazed. You are going to be amazed on how God begins to answer you. We're asking God for questions concerning our church. We're asking God for questions concerning, Lord, what's the focus and what are you, where are you taking us and how are you going to get us there? Not just a building, but God, what's our, who are we supposed to be in, in Springfield? Who are we supposed to be in Washington, D.C.? There are a lot of churches that do a lot of things and you can do a lot of things and do, and you know, and, but really what is the deeper, what is the meat, what is our purpose? And I believe we have purpose and I have a vision statement. But how many know there's always more? Somebody say there's always more. Love is